Hey, welcome to TPT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we'll talk to Jay Devlin and Morgan Barclay of Mostly Sports. Jay and Morgan host a podcast of their own called Mostly Sports. And in this conversation, we talk about their podcasting methods, being a sports fan today, TPT, and a whole bunch of other stuff. After we hear from Mostly Sports, we'll check in with Jesse Leeds of TBT to get some insider information from the recruiting trail. Some really good stuff in there. As always, remember that you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a rating. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. Hey, guys. Hey, Dan. What's going on, buddy? Nothing. I'm just sitting here on a Sunday watching a little football. I figured I'd give my, my favorite uh, podcasters from Mostly Sports a call. What are you guys up to today? Well. This is Morgan here, and I'm uh, I'm excited because I told several people this week that the the Vikings were going to get stomped by the Seahawks, and no one believed me just because of their record, and uh, and that happened. So I'm fired up. That's it's been I'm a doing. little bit. It's been a little bit of a challenge for the Seahawks fans this year, huh? It's it's really hasn't been that different. I mean, it's it's a couple wins. I mean, I think the Super Bowl year than last year. It just we won a couple close games that probably no one saw that happened at ten AM or one PM. And like this year we just lost those games and they're nationally televised. So from my perspective, it's the exact same. Dan, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to our radio show is the Seahawks <laughs> coming back to life because I thought we were done with all this Seahawk conversation and now I'm gonna have to hear it every Tuesday on the show and just in real life every day from him. Well I have to say as a Patriots fan I was watching that Super Bowl last year and you go from this as a you know I was watching it just personally, and I went from this moment of complete devastation that the Seahawks were going to win the Super Bowl to el- complete <laughs> elation, like literally instantaneously, and all because of the guy that basically ran the Patriots into the ground and led Belichick to end up as the head coach there anyway, Pete Carroll. Uh, Morgan, that must have killed you as a Seahawks fan, huh? Uh, yeah, in the moment for sure, but having beaten Denver the year before definitely helped like because that was our first Super Bowl win so if that hadn't happened I actually went to that game out in New York and so I was there and I could quickly just pull that moment back up in my mind where you know with the confetti and all that like so (laughs) for my friends that didn't go live in person I'm sure it was tougher and I was down in Glendale at a bar and um, I, I didn't I didn't listen to or watch any sports radio for probably two months I went more TED Talks (laughs) <laughs> were there any ones many particularly inspirational ted talks that got you through <laughs> tony robbins always helps yeah i'm sure That's... i'm sure well i wanted to touch base with you guys because i was really fascinated when you all applied last year and obviously made it in and you have a great network of fans and people that know you um but i was wanted to talk a little bit about how you all came together what the mostly sports you know podcast and i think we could call it fair to say a movement guys right uh what is the mostly sports podcast about well, basically, it came to uh, fruition about seven years ago. Morgan, I mean, Morgan and I have been friends for about seven, eight years. We met on the basketball court, which is fitting. Uh, strangely enough, I was playing against his team, and they have this guy on their team named John Bernthal. If people want to IMDb this guy, who has a little bit of a temper, uh, <laughs> say the so, least. Uh, you know, I was making a couple shots that night, and I just moved here from Philadelphia, so maybe I still had a little bit of my Philadelphia, you know. Uh, anger with me so I was talking a little trash and this guy like threatened to beat me up in hindsight I should have let him beat me up because he's a multi-millionaire now right from all of his you know Wolf of Wall Street and uh well he, did, he got his start as Shane on uh The Walking Dead Walking yes. Dead first two seasons so he's but at this at this point in time he had just been on a bunch of random tv shows and bit parts 
Um, so yeah, then like Morgan and I just like met through uh, playing in this league, and then you know, fast forward a couple years, we were we were living together in Venice, and we just said, you know, we always were talking sports, so we we're like, let's figure out how to like get a podcast, and that was before podcasts were even huge. You know, I'd listen to a, I'd listen to Bill Simmons, uh, the BS Report, Poker Road was a great website that had a podcast, but there were there weren't really a lot of them out there. Yeah, and our take was a little bit like we kind of wanted. A Howard Stern version of sports, like a little edgier. So our original show was called Sports Foul Mouse, and then we, you know, over time you realize that maybe that won't be, you know, a great name for brands, you know, being integrated in and all that. So we we toned it down a little bit. Um, a but, lot of the episodes we would like, we would definitely drink because we would tape it in our living room. Right? Yeah. So there, you could hear the clinking of ice in our glasses, and it was very just off the cuff, and it was a lot of fun. Like going back and listening to it now is hysterical. But it's almost like a throwback to when. You know the Brat Pack and the Rat Pack rather would get together. I was watching CBS this morning, which is you know way out of my demographic, of course, right? But uh, I was watching that this morning, and Frank Sinatra's on TV with scotch in 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 one hand and a cigarette in the other, and he's singing a song, and it looks like he was having a great time. Like it seems like we've kind of lost that joy, you know? We were vodka and Red Bulls. We weren't that classy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very very true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it just kind of started there. And then over the, you know, we, we did about 40 episodes of that. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you know, life, we both got really busy, stopped doing it. Uh, I connected with Mike Scavati, who's the third member of our of our show, who's not here today. He's got a coach in tennis. Um, and we ended up on UBN Radio, which is where the show is now. Brought Morgan on about eight months ago. Built a website. Morgan, you know, took us to the next level. He's he's a great addition to the show, and now us three are, are having a blast. So, what was the sort of desire, I guess, um, to because Jay, you're from Philadelphia originally. What was the desire to move out to California to begin with? Uh, just weather. I mean, it's really that. It's, <laughs> honestly, I, I wish I had some like crazy story for you, or you know, but it, honestly, I just got sick of the winter and. I'd always wanted to live in Santa Monica since I was a kid. I have an older brother that went to UCLA, and you know, now or never, went for it. And you had played basketball in college yourself, right? Yes, went to uh, Washington College in uh, Chestertown, Maryland, and then played. I played in a, a little league after college down in the Caribbean, down in St. Thomas. I wouldn't say it was a pro league, but it was like a semi-pro league where a buddy of mine that I played with in college got me hooked up with it, and went down and lived like the Tom Cruise cocktail cocktail lifestyle for a little bit. That's fantastic. I'd never even heard about that before. So what was the competition like? It was it was played in the summer, so it was like all West Indian guys. And if you've ever seen like these West Indian dudes, they have muscles on their muscles on their muscles. They're all just completely jacked and cut up and they've probably never lifted a weight in their life. And you know, down there there was nothing else to do. So every night in this gym it was packed. I mean it was standing room only. And, you know, Tim Duncan was about to start winning titles. So you were lifting weights? I was not lifting any weights. I was lifting, <laughs> How do you know it was back then? <laughs> I was lifting pina coladas. Uh, but it was just cool. Like, it was on the front page of the sports page every day. It was, you know, they're, they're crazy about basketball down there. And like I said, Tim Duncan was just coming into his, his prime of being great. And, you know, basketball was taking off. So there's a lot of great comp, a lot of Division One guys, a lot of overseas guys. Um, and just a lot of fun. And I shot the ball terribly while I was there. Understandable, given given you know the scenery and the pina coladas and everything else that we were talking about. So Morgan, you came down to L.A. from Seattle and started playing pickup ball there, and that's how you all kind of congregated, right? Actually, I lived. Uh, I went 
from Seattle in 2003 and moved out to New York. And I lived out in Soho and the East Village for a couple of years. So and then in 2007, I was working for a company, long story short, Microsoft bought said company, and I kind of needed to go back home to Seattle for a summer, which was fun, and then I just bought a car and drove down to California, because I, much like Jay, I just like, I had nowhere else to go. I was like, well, I've lived in New York, <laughs> and I, like, I know it's sunny down in LA, and I, had, I didn't even really know what Santa Monica was, to be honest. I literally just drove down here, had like one friend who was going to meet me out and just figure it out, which was just the idea. It was volleyball and basketball. Basically, Dan, you wouldn't understand this because you're a happily married man with children. This is Santa Monica in L.A. is where people come in their 30s when they're not married and don't have any kids. Right. <laughs> it's the backup plan. This is, yeah. this is totally the backup plan. Uh, so that's, and that's really that was really it. Actually, strangely enough, I ended up working for MySpace of all places, which was pretty funny. Ran uh, that place into the ground. Yeah, ran that place <laughs> in the ground, and then uh, met Jay. And he, the part he left out of the story when we met, and you know, we were playing hoops, and he was on the other team. And Jay, being the guy he is, you know, of course, always inviting everybody out to his bar, come get free drinks. He used to call it ten for one, and uh, <laughs> so I went there a few times, and we kind of became friends through the whole you know customer bartender situation you know beyond basketball and then he actually in 2009 helped me or convinced me to cut the cord and break up with my girlfriend which is when our friendship really took off (laughs) (laughs) that could go one of two ways you know the guy either says you got to break up with this girl and then they said that the two buddies separate forever or in your case it obviously brought you together so that's that's interesting (laughs) he literally said just cut the cord cord. stop coming to my bar and talking about it just cut the cord and you know from there, everything uh, you know happened for a reason. Here we are. That is fantastic. So, Jay, what is your connection to um, TJ Mann and Jeff Miller, who played in TBT in 2014 with um, Elvino? Well, ba- <clears throat> basketball-wise, that's the thing. I, I'll, I'll I'll kind of bring in living out here. The the thing I missed most from home was the connection that you have with guys you grew up playing with and just people in your area. Philadelphia is an incredible basketball city. Um, so moving out here, I, like that was my first goal. I was like, I need to find people, like-minded people that love the game, that want to play the game. You know, TJ and Jeff Miller and Joe Miller and Ray Strickland, all those guys. I mean, I grew up with those guys. They're, they're a little younger than I am. So they were like my little brothers. Uh, you know, they're just, I mean, they're my basketball family, those guys. And now I have TJ living out here on the West Coast with me. It's great to have him, Brian Jaslowski, who played with us in uh, on the TBT team this year, lives out here. So we're kind of moving all the the East Coast guys out west. I'm trying to bring everybody out here so we can get the band back together, so to speak. Um, and then uh, Mo, you have you met those guys too through Jay? Have you ever played with them before? Most definitely. I mean, the the thing that Jay doesn't, and I think he does this organically. He just, you know, again, he's pulling people from the East Coast out West. I mean, it's impressive. It's not like he's an actually NBA franchise. I mean, he just brings people together. So his friends are my friends, you know, and it's just, it's uh, very, very natural. And actually, I was going to say that, like, Philly people, you know, and Seattle people are kind of, like, very, very nice and good people. And all of his friends are awesome. And and it, and I'm, I really relate to the kind of the East Coast vibe. You know, you get tucked away up in the corner in Seattle, um, similar type of thing. It's raining all the time. People love basketball. Some really good hoopsters, you know, come, have come out of Seattle. And so it was really easy just to relate to that kind of like dudes that just want to be in the gym, hang out, 
play play ball and then you know have a beer yeah have a beer and and, and not take it too seriously and and that's what's been cool about it. all his friends are really really awesome people one thing that was interesting this year with you guys in TBT, and we'll get into sort of how that came about, was that you did have a sort of, I don't know, like a uh, relax. You were going to have a good time in that game against uh, H-Squad no matter what. But I, I really did notice that once the t- the ball was tipped, things got real serious. You know, you guys really kind of took it. Um, it wasn't a joke. You know, you obviously have guys that can play, and you really wanted to win that game. And it looks like you might for a little while. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we put that team together pretty last minute. Uh, you know, TJ gave me a call two weeks prior and was like, dude, we should get a team in the TBT. I was like, all right, well, let's use the show and, and get the, the votes we needed. But the team was definitely thrown together last minute. But all the guys that we brought in are incredibly competitive. Brandon Brooks, who's on our team, was Mr. Hawaii basketball when he was in high school. He's also an Olympic silver medalist. He was the goalie for the U.S. water polo team in, uh, in two Olympics. You know, so that's a guy that's got a great pedigree. He actually played basketball and water polo at UCLA. That guy, as soon as the bell goes off, that guy's ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, TJ is incredibly competitive. So, yeah, I mean, we, we weren't out there as a, as a joke. We were trying to win games. And I guarantee you the team we put together this year is going to win, win some games. What's the so, plan? So what's the plan for 2016? We, you know, we're reaching out. We got, I mean, like I said, we put it together a little last minute so we couldn't bring guys in from out of town from philly that we wanted guys like, like jeff miller wanted to come ray strickland wanted to come but it was too last minute so you know those guys are locked in we're going to bring guys from philly we have a few guys out here that we're going to add to the team we, you know we need better guard play uh which is what we were lacking last year unfortunately you know we could have used uh a little more scoring from uh you know the point guard you know if we could have one of our buddies couldn't make it which sucked the guy that filled in played really well but you know it was a guy that we didn't know sadly uh so yeah, we just you know we have six months and and, and we got guys coming out and we're we're going to put together a legit team this year. Do you feel like you'll have time to prepare from a organizational standpoint? You know, offensive sets, defensive alignment, stuff like that. Uh, Coach Mo, take that. Yeah, I was actually Jay and I were just talking about it. You know, we were you know recruiting a couple people and you know if, if we find anybody locally here, you know, there's this marina run that's pretty awesome on Saturdays that that most of the guys that were on the team uh, partake in. And we were, we're talking about it. It's like we, anybody that's going to be on the team, like we want to be consistently playing with them in some capacity, you know, even if it's like playing against like every Saturday, but, and also just to see them on the court and what their flow is. And then, as you know, like, you know, before you get into offensive sets or defensive schemes, like you have to know where people's spots are. And that's where like his guys from Philly, like know where Jay's going to be on the floor. And that's tough. You know, when Jay's not getting the the ball and, and I know like, you know, I wasn't playing, but like, I know there's a certain spot on the baseline where he just expects to get the ball. You know, if a new point guard, you know, joins the team last minute, like he's just not going to know where Jay's going to be. And that's a problem. So we got to fix that first. And then I think, you know, once we've kind of uh, validated who the, who the team's going to be, then we can, you know, have some practices and run some sets and, and get, um, you know, just even just clean everything up, really. How we play- play- Sorry, we- go ahead, Jay. We played in a tournament uh, about a month and a half ago. We, we basically play two tournaments a year now. We play your tournament. We play uh, Venice Beach as a – it's called the Venice Beach World Games. And teams come from all over. It's a cash tournament. And, you know, I don't, Dan, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Venice Beach and seen the courts, but it's a scene out there. Yeah. And they just have people everywhere. And, you know, we made it to the semifinals. And the team that we had in that was more – indicative of the team we're going to bring to the TBT. It was everybody knew each other. It was eight guys that, you know, we had a really good synergy and we played really well. I ended up losing by one in the semis to the team that won it all. Um, 
but that definitely felt more like the team that we're going to bring this year. How much of a factor do you think, or is it any factor at all, age is going to be in 2016 and beyond? <laughs> well, that's why I'm implementing a new diet plan. So mostly <laughs> diet plan. And so they don't know about that yet, but when we send them this uh, this podcast, Dan, they'll uh, be in the late 30s and early 40s. I will be the oldest team, right? I mean, collectively. I think I so. I mean, I think you had the oldest team this year. There might have been, although the Scotty Legends had a couple guys, 41 to 43. Jeff Nordgaard, I believe, right? Jeff Nordgaard, that... Paul Grant. Yeah. Um, you know, Con Knipple, though, he was 39 and scored 38 points. Um, oh. So, I mean, that was pretty legit. And that was against a really good team in uh, Everline Drive. So, you know, it's interesting to me. I just think that there's such a perception that, especially in the NBA, guys get to their late 30s and the ability to play 100 games in the course of a season is just not there. It just is too physically demanding to do that. But you get that same guy in a one-game scenario, and he, he's got one game. You know, like, I, I, I believe you could probably put Michael Jordan out there at 50-whatever, and for one game, you know, he's going he's gonna to give yeah. you 15 to, to 25 points. I mean, you're going to see that this year with Kobe. I mean, he's going to have a lot of bad games. But every once in a while, he's going to have a night where he has his legs. Right. And he'll be the Kobe from 10, 12 years ago. Why do you think that, just physically, why that is with, with basketball in particular? Is it just that the wear, the wear and tear of the game is so much different than the other sports? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, you know as well as anybody. I mean, it's a tough game. It's tough on your legs, the up and down, the... And the mental part of it, like you can get very mentally tired as you get older when you can't, like in your mind, you're trying to do things that you used to be able to do. And it gets very frustrating that you can't do it. So you get mentally exhausted as well. And you kind of just can shut yourself down, especially if you're playing against great competition because you get a little frustrated. And I actually think from my perspective, it's, it, you know, half the game is defense and people forget that because yeah. of the flow of the game. And like, that's where you, you lose a step there. You know, now you're trying to run a zone and like those types of things. But like, you know, I can't imagine Jay doing what he does on offense at the age of 30 and or, you know, how, how differently you probably play defense. You know, like I never if, played defense. Well, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, you, I mean, like if you just yes, you do. If you, oh, if yeah. you get mad, you play defense. Yeah. So if you miss a couple shots, your defense, uh, you know, increases. But, well, I mean, I'll be 42 in the next TBT. Mo Mo's gonna be forty two, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a few other guys that are close to forty, and everybody will be over the age of thirty four, I imagine. So the answer to your original question is, what are we gonna do about our age? We're gonna get older. That's <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop it. Can't stop. Just gotta try and contain it. Well, I was reading your bio on the Mostly Sports um, website on the UBN network, and it said that you had. Um, it's, you're most likely coming up with off-the-wall sports marketing ideas for some of the biggest brands in the world. Is that like a full-time avocation for you, is marketing? It's going to be a big part of it. We're actually becoming a real business. I mean, it's funny because previously it was more narrow-minded when we had the show, it, like all the way back to like Sports Foul Mouse and then even just mostly sports in general. It was like the idea was that it was a show. And now it's like more of a, a multi-platform brand strategy for us, from like just from the mostly sports brand perspective. Um, everything from you know we ha we're, we've got interns doing you know NBA and NFL memes and you know got thirteen hundred followers on Instagram. We everything is published. The two hour show is on YouTube, so you can Google mostly sports, um, and we're on YouTube. We're on Facebook, um, so we're very very active across all those platforms. And then so basically, our brand strategy is to be all encompassing and also just establish a voice. Not to mention the fact that we're gonna have a site. Um, and mostly sports.zone, like we have a site and we're starting to hire writers 
and we're gonna start doing like you know NBA weekly fantasy columns and stuff like that. So originally it was more of like, all right, here's three guys that know sports, um, a little edgier than normal, um, have some cool guests, and now we're kind of broadening that to saying like, what's our overall goal, and to build an actual brand with you know guys that understand sports from a totally different perspective, and you know both the fans and the people that are a part of the show are more intimately like the guys on the team. And and so with that, you know, you can once you build that brand, which we're still in the process of doing and will be for, you know, for the foreseeable future, is that that's when you can approach like a Jack Links, you know, who ironically was a sponsor of the TVT or Ford and all these other brands because that's what I do in my regular career and come up with really cool innovative ideas like segment pieces, um, you know, st- stunts down the road, maybe there's cool stuff that we can do with you guys. Um, so that's all, that's all part of it. Um, but right now we're just trying to, you know, Jay always says this, it's like, it's almost like a, like a sports team mentality, you know, like let's just go one and oh every week, you know, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson always say that there's my plug, but they always say like, let's just, you know, let's win this show. Like if we're doing a two hour show on a Tuesday night from seven to nine, like let's have a really, really good show. Let's have a cool guest. And, and then that will, you know, all the other stuff is just ancillary. You know, to take care of itself, but you still got to, you know, you know, from what you're building, Dan, like how difficult that be. Like you still have to build the infrastructure, and there's a lot of work involved, and you can't. I mean, so you know, the idea of just do a great show works only to a point, and so that's really where that comes from. Jay, what do you feel about that? I mean, is this is this something that you want to try to, you know, make a full time avocation yourself? A- absolutely. I mean, this is something that we all have a passion for. You know. Me, me, Mike, and Morgan, we eat, sleep, and breathe mostly sports. I mean, it's not just, I mean, the show's live every Tuesday, 7 to 9 on UVN Radio, plug. Uh, but this is something we do seven days a week where, you know, we have a website, we have writers that are writing articles for us. You know, we have interns, like Morgan said, doing stuff on all of our social media. You know, this is something, you know, interesting enough with Grantland closing down, the ESPN website that Bill Simmons ran, like there's kind of a void out there where people can go and get their pop culture and get their sports and just laugh and just escape, you know, a few minutes, a few hours a day, you know, we kind of want to fill that void. So when you guys are, are coming up with shows and Morgan, as you say, you don't want to just repeat the takes that people have already heard. What are you thinking about? Are you just doing it as a, um, a momentary thought process and that comes up in the moment or are you <laughs> planning that stuff out? It's a really, really good question. Um, honestly, I think, you know, when you, it, it really is, it's almost like, I don't know if you remember SNL and Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy, but, um, you know, people will say that, like, how do you guys come up with these segment ideas or, you know, what it, like, you know, 20 things you didn't know about Kobe, even if it's a little bit of a marketing ploy, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. It's just, it's just due diligence. It's like, you know, part of seeing all this stuff, because we do love sports and we watch it all happen, like, you know, we have these conversations over text, you know, me, Mike, and Jay basically just hammering at home. It's like, cool. Like, we all know what happened. We know what's going on with Kobe. Like, what can we do different? And that may take a half hour of just Googling stuff and then, like, coming up with an idea and being – and also, you know, going back to the original point about being a little bit more edgy. Like, we've had people come on the show. Like, we had Peter Dante from Waterboy come on. And, you know, he, he, was, he was like, can I swear? Can I say the F word? And we're like – you know, immediately we chime in with swear words. And so just stuff like that where, like, you know, when you have that flexibility creatively because we don't have ESPN paying our bills, you know, it's like that right away gives us an advantage to do things other people can't do. And then the other part is just the due diligence. And, you know, and having a couple, you know, younger interns on our team, 
like some of their ideas are great too. So you got mentioned it. You guys mentioned a little bit earlier, but how big of a role are fantasy sports in your sports fandom? They're, they're they're huge to be honest with you. I mean, this whole daily fantasy DraftKings thing. We had, we had a call with DraftKings a couple of weeks ago about some sponsorship stuff. They're going to start doing a mostly sports tournament pretty soon, hopefully. Um, you know, that's just we're all sports geeks, man. When it comes down to it, we, you know, we all play we all play fantasy football. We all play fantasy basketball. We're doing DraftKings all the time. And you know the gambling stuff. Frankly, is like people really like hearing gambling stories. You know, it's 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 just an interesting topic that even if you're not a gambler, you like hearing about other people gambling, and you like hearing about their you know their winning and their losing and the ups and the downs. So we we cover a lot of gambling stuff every week. But we we go ahead. We Mom. do it more of as a strategy, I'd say, as opposed to sitting there and you know playing the Matthew Berry role with football, of like who to yeah. start and who to sit. You know, it's like we Jay will dig into like how he goes about his research to you know, to even put a lineup in with NBA fantasy um, when there's like four teams playing. So we don't sit there, you know, and, and hammer home like who to start um, across these sports because that can get really boring. <laughs> and uh, goes back to the numbers questions. Like there's only there's only you go to a certain point and then you got to cut the cord on that. Um, so strategy stuff though, and, and also just the camaraderie between like all these group text messages with like 24 dudes that are all friends is hilarious. Morgan likes to call it a digital frat is what we have. <laughs> digital frat. That's it. How much is, has changing, how much has, uh, you know, playing fantasy sports changed the way you guys watch it? it's it's completely i mean i would love to sit here and say that it it hasn't and i still root for you know the eagles and i root for the sixers but the honest answer is at the end of the day i'm rooting for you know my fake teams every single day right my fake players my fake teams uh it's just yeah that's just my reality i mean i i play nba DraftKings every single day you know so every single day i'm literally rooting for different people there's no loyalty whatsoever (laughs) <laughs> except to my bank account what about That's you it. morgan um yeah i think so i mean what i what i really think is hilarious is that you know i think it was like 2000 or 2001 i was i was big in the fantasy then and i was like rooting for charlie garner to score a touchdown versus the seahawks and i still lived in seattle and you know the whole room looked at me and just gave me a death stare um just totally upset now these same guys are completely insane and love fantasy football now or even you know i think it was 8 8 9 years ago some guys wearing a Deuce McAllister jersey and i said hey i got, got him in my lineup today and he looked like he was going to knock me out in the french quarter and i was like i'm so sorry dude he's like he's like that's not real sports and now everybody does it yeah. you know in some capacity but like i would say 2005 2006 People kind of hated the fantasy players. Dan, those will be the only Charlie Garner and Deuce McAllister references in the history of your show. I'm 100% positive of that. <laughs> you know, I was, I, one thing that I find fascinating about the fantasy uh, movement, I guess, is that it's really kind of changed what you were kind of alluding to, Jay, is how much we root for the, our primary teams. You know, like I find myself rooting for teams that I probably would never root for otherwise. I still have a, like a, spot for Yankees where I cannot have a Yankee on my fantasy baseball team but by <laughs> other uh, that's the that's the truth but other than that you know like I find myself rooting for teams that I really would have no interest in whether it is the Seahawks or it could be you know the Jets or uh, you know obviously the Saints living in New Orleans but it's it's just is very different do you guys feel that same way because I know Jay with you growing up in Philly Philly's got some of the most hardcore hometown Die fans of, in the country yeah here's the thing this is why People like there's all this controversy with controversy with uh, FanDuel and DraftKings possibly going away at some point. It's getting banned in certain states. 
it's not going anywhere because this stuff is so great for these leagues. It's great for the NBA. It's great for the NFL. I mean, fantasy football is the most important thing. If there was no fantasy football, 80% of the people would be not watching any of this stuff, to be totally honest with you. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. So I get why everybody is, is totally involved in their own fantasy team and kind of forgetting about their primary team that they grew up with, especially I mean, the Eagles suck this year. So this gives me something to do every Sunday. Right. And if not, you know, you would definitely not be tuning in, I'm sure. No, I mean, I'm doing an interview with you right now and not watching the Eagles play. So, uh, <laughs> well said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate your time so much for, uh, thanks again so much for joining us. Um, let's touch base sometime in the spring. I'd love to see you guys get back on that website uh, from the get-go this year and see how many votes we can get for Mostly Sports. It's in the works, Dan. Stay tuned. And we're going to have you on Mostly Sports whenever you uh, get out to the West Coast. We're live, UBN Radio, Tuesdays, 7 to 9 Pacific Standard Time, ubnradio.com, mostlysports.zone is our website. What else, Morgan? Want to plug us some stuff? Yeah, I mean, all the, the normal outlets, Mostly Sports on Facebook, on Instagram, all that good stuff. But yeah, Dan, you know, thanks, for, uh, thanks for connecting and reconnecting. We're, we're excited to put together, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like, Put together a pretty strong team this year. Even I'm looking if we forward are. to it. I have to say, just from a um, age group standpoint, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for all the older guys to do well. <laughs> cool. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks for having us, buddy. Thank you. Hey, Jesse. Hey. What's up, man? What's going on? What's the latest? What are you hearing? Just uh, back on the recruiting trail. Can't believe it's uh, December already. It's unbelievable. So, what? What's the latest that you're hearing about any kind of teams that are entering? Thinking about entering word in the street. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of teams, you know, getting ready for for 2016 and, and coming around the corner here. Um, talking to teams all the way, you know, from North Carolina down to Florida, up to New York, and out to California. So there's a really interesting team forming out of out of uh, the Fresno State area, um, looking at you know some some Fresno area legends like Deshaun Stevenson, who played in the NBA for you know 10 plus years with the Wizards and a bunch of teams. Um, Melvin Eli, Courtney Alexander, um, and it's looking like Isaiah Austin. Um, you remember him from the draft from last year. Um, that Adam Silver made a kind of honorary draft pick. Um, you know, looking like he might be involved with this team in some facet as well. That'd be really cool. So, what's yeah. who's organizing that? Um, it looks like Jervis Cole is organizing it. He's a he's a Fresno State legend. He played at Fresno State. Um, it looks like Paul George is actually um, you know might jump in and coach them since he went to Fresno State and. You know, he's close with all those guys. All right. So who did you say yeah. is going to organize that? Um, Jervis Cole. He's like a local Fresno area legend, basically. He's involved with like a, a booster club at Fresno State. So that would be a team that plays obviously in the West, right? Yeah, they'd play in the West. And then who do you think, I mean, are there any other alumni type teams that since the last time we've spoken about and in, in, in the West specifically? Yeah, let me look here. Um, SMU is another really interesting team. They might go west, or they might go up to Chicago, since they're you know smack dab in the middle of the country. Right. Um, they have connections to Emmanuel Moutier, who was you know the draft pick by the Nuggets this year. Yeah. He was actually a you know a commit to SMU before going overseas to play uh, in China. So they're actually you know still close with. Emmanuel Moutier and his brother, so they want to get him to, to be the booster of the team, which would be really interesting. You know what's interesting, Jesse? I've gotten a lot of emails and contact from people in Texas. Yeah. Which I think like... last year we only had, I think, Marshall Henderson, and then we had the um, the DMV team. Not yeah, DMV, uh, DFW team uh, yeah. as well. But it seems like it's, for some reason, has been really, the word has been spreading throughout Texas. Oh, yeah, Houston Live we had too. I'm sorry. I forgot about them. 
Texas A&M is, is uh, putting together a team as well. Um, they have a former walk-on organizing their team. Um, you know, so they really want us to come to, to Texas and the Dallas area. So you know, they're definitely in, which is another interesting team that could go out west or they can go up to Chicago. What are some of these teams that are going to have to travel? Have you talked to them about how they're going to get to the regions? Yeah, a lot of teams are kind of employing the, the strategy that um, the Majerus Slew crew did last year is, you know, forming a, or finding a booster that wants to be part of the team and right. you know, travel with the team and, and pay for all the, the expenses. Um, so I know the Vermont alumni team is looking to do that as well. Um, they have a few boosters in mind that kind of kind of fit that bill. So you, they're actually thinking about those things ahead of time. It's not just, hey, we want to play in this thing. They're actually putting, it sounds like, ideas down, not probably not on paper, but on computer about how they're going to do this, right? Sure, of course, yeah. They have that time to prepare now in November and December. You know, once we turn the new year, and you know, we're only three, four months away, looking like they're going to be ready to hit the ground running on April first. You know, um, one of the things. That, opens. Sorry, Jesse. One of the things we put up on the website last week was a little post about you know what you ought to be doing right now, and really, it seems like the big thing is planning. And it, does it sound like from your conversations that people are talking about how they're going to qualify, how they're going to get the votes, you know, who they might link up with, things like that. Definitely. It, it sounds like there's a lot more preparation this year and, you know, the stakes are definitely going to be higher and, and people realize, you know, how legit this is going to be um, and the time that they need to prepare. So that, I think that's a huge difference from, you know, 2015 to 2016. Yeah, it definitely seems like the competition to get in is going to be tougher yeah. in 2016, certainly than it was in 14 and definitely more than it was in 15 as well. Yeah, there's a there's a Memphis team forming as well. Um, let's put it last year. Let's Antonio Anderson and Wesley Witherspoon have played, uh, you know, the past two years from Memphis. You know, they're they're from that 08 uh, championship team that lost to Mario Chalmers in Kansas. Yeah. Um. So they're trying to get all those guys back together. Chris Douglas Roberts, um, and and all those guys. And you know, who knows? Maybe D Rose will will coach them as well if they uh, get up to Chicago. That would be something. Well, if he's not in the Olympics. Yeah, that's true. What do you yeah. think? Um, what do you think about some of the sort of independent basketball teams, Jesse? ABA type teams or uh, you know, other minor league teams that you've been talking to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had a, a good showing last year, you know, with Dirty South and, you know, some of the other ABA and, and minor league teams. Um, there's more, you know, kind of jumping in all the teams, it seems like from those leagues, from the TRBL and the ABA and um, all those teams, it seems like, you know, kind of have their interest as well. Um, the CBL up in Canada, uh, speaking to a team down in South Florida, the South Florida Spartans, Ben Miralis, Um, they're going to enter a team. So it looks like, you know, all the way up from Canada down to Florida, we're going to have some minor league teams showing up. What do you think um, the attraction is for them, just like continuing to build out the brand and, and continuing to kind of make a name for that independent franchise? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at some of the other minor league teams last year, and I think they see, you know, if, if you know, one of their local rivals and their, their local leagues can, can enter, why can't they? Um, so I think it's a pride thing as well. And, you know, they want to compete against um, the other minor league teams that they have kind of in their, their area. Um, it seems like as well, you know, with overseas elite winning, um, and, you know, Andrew Morrison being an agent for CAA, it looks like there's some, you know, other agencies jumping in as well. Yeah. Um, we have a, we have an agency and, uh, kind of a dual, uh, agency and training facility called power to win sports. Um, they're run by two guys, um, James Blackburn, um, and Marcus Shockley. And they have two agencies, uh, one out in LA basketball elite and one power to win sports down in Charlotte. So, you know, I think we can see going forward to um, overseas elite set that president and, you know, we see more of those training facilities and agencies kind of jump in as well. Yeah, it does seem like there's a lot of opportunity there for agents that have got guys that are kind of in that level, that overseas right. elite level where they're playing at high levels overseas, right? making good money, but they still want to uh, compete 
you know, domestically uh, in the summer. You know, and the other thing is like the last two champions, you know, Notre Dame fighting alumni and overseas elite have been run by agents. Right. So it's kind of hard to argue with that. So it does seem like maybe there's an opportunity there for some of these guys to kind of get together. Do you think, Jesse, that there's a challenge for alumni teams going forward to make sure that sort of their prime alumni are playing on alumni teams versus linking up with an agent and kind of going with what you might call an elite level team, like an overseas elite or a team barstool? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously that, that chemistry and system in place that the alumni teams have give them a huge advantage. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at, um, a St. John's alumni team and, you know, obviously last year, DJ Kennedy and Paris Warren were on, you know, overseas elite and they won the million dollars. Um, so they're, you know, trying to, trying to steal those guys away from overseas elite to, to enter a St. John's alumni team, um, with Anthony Mason Jr. So, um, I think that's definitely the way to go. And I think they really see, you know, the, the value add in, in playing together. Are you focusing on when you're making outreaches and, and conversations and emails and stuff, Jesse, are you focusing on the people running the teams or are you having any conversation with players as well? Um, I would say probably 80, 20. It's, it's mostly, you know, people running the teams. Um, I would say players pretty minimal. Um, but we are focusing on this year as well, uh, a kind of philanthropic aspect. You know, you look at sideline cancer entering last year for a cause, um, the John Starks foundation is, uh, potentially linking up with the St. John's alumni team. Mm. Um, and they're going to kind of have a nice tie in with John Starks and Anthony Mason Jr. Um, since his father played with the Knicks with John. So, you know, there's, there's so many different angles that teams, you know, want to take it and so many things that are not even on our radar right now. Um, so I think, you know, once April 1st comes and the floodgates open, it'll be really interesting to see, um, who's on what team and, and what's going on back there. Do you think that, that John Starks team with St. John's is going to take off? What's yeah. the likelihood of that? Yeah, we spoke to them last week, um, speaking to the director of John Stark's foundation, um, as well as Anthony Mason Jr. So it's kind of kind of twofold, and they're both pushing from both sides. So they're going to make something happen. Uh, we won't know the final product for another month or so, but um, they will be entering. How eager do you think teams are right now to be signing up? I get that email a lot. Like, when yeah. can I start signing up? What can I do now? Stuff like that. I think that's the first question everyone wants to know is, you know, when can I start getting fan votes? When can I register my team? Um, how can I register? So I think everyone's, you know, really eager. If we open registration tomorrow, we would we'd have a pretty good, uh, pretty good turnout. Right. All right. This is great, Jesse. I appreciate your time, man. We'll talk soon and um, keep up the good work. All right. Thanks. Okay.